You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Watling and Owen Show. It's Matt Watling. It's Luke Owens. Hopefully it's enough energy for you, Luke, as I try to pump us up in what's going to be a difficult show, Luke. Because the Giants are dead. Rest in peace. Their season died last night, and that is a team that is in a world of issues, for lack of a better term. I really think this is our most important show, and I say that because all three teams did something impactful over the weekend, right? Last night we had the Giants season end. Um, Sunday Night Football, we saw Zach Wilson play the best game, in my opinion, of his career. And, you know, we'll talk about it later. Maybe save the Jets season. Uh, and then with the Bills, I mean, they absolutely established themselves, in my opinion, as the best team in the AFC with their win over the Dolphins. Like, I'm not ready to go NFL-wide yet. I still think, you know, San Francisco looks pretty darn good. The Eagles obviously are going to have a say as well. But, I mean, you look around the AFC right now, and what Buffalo did to Miami, I think, is that uh, they're not going anywhere. And I thought Jim Nance said something really interesting. He said, you know, people were saying this window was closing and you know I kind of laughed it off and you look at this team it's like like saying that like obviously it's something to talk about and obviously some of their guys are getting older but as long as Josh Allen's at quarterback and you know they've replaced guys on defense pretty well so like I'm, I'm feeling and then you know you do have the Trey White injury which we'll get to in a little bit I think that's one that you you know you didn't have him for most of last year he wasn't very good last year when he did play compared to his standard but that's a really tough loss to have, Luke. And I don't – it's not all doom and gloom. Like, this is still a very good team. You saw what the offense was able to do. It's a very talented offense. But that is a significant piece that they now have another 13, 14 weeks to play around with and figure out what the solution is going to be. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is going into this year, you know, with Trey White, how he played last year, the Bills do not have that number one lockdown corner. It's the one thing that I said was their weakness going into this year. But – the good news is their pass rush has been so good that the corners haven't really been exposed that much. Like, they're getting so much pressure on the quarterback, it hasn't come back to bite them. Um, obviously, you know, Benford also went down with an injury. He looks like he's going to be okay. Nothing season-ending. But, yeah, the, the corner spot is certainly a weakness for this team. And I'm not sure if it's something they're going to be able to add or something that they're going to be able to patch up. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a concern. But overall, I mean, you sent me that graphic, you know, watching I, – I think you were watching your SVP on Sunday night. Uh, with just how dominant the Bills have been since week one. So, yeah, I, I can't really So you can, you can mention the graphic, but you're not going to say what was on it, and you're not going to – and you didn't answer me when I sent you the graphic. Okay, the, the Bills are the first team ever, I believe, to lose week one and then win their next three games by 28. That's right. I believe and was who the they stat. lose to in week one, Luke? Just, just point that out there. The Jets, who I – I don't know what it is with the Jets. I think – I guess they play up to their opponents, which is a good thing. But then they also kind of play down. Like, they really seem to play to the level of their opponents. I, I don't know if it's that or, you know, one, let's just say Zach, we've never seen the Zach Wilson before. Right? We've never seen Zach Wilson play football like he did on Sunday night. And they still lost the game. So you're one in three. But the season undoubtedly feels different. It feels like you could save this season if Zach Wilson plays the way he played on Sunday, the rest of this season. But is it they're playing down, or is it that Zach Wilson didn't know how to play football until this past week, right? Now, look, I mean, if you want to talk, he didn't know how to play football in defense. week one either. Sorry? He didn't really play great football in week one either, and they won that game. Yeah, but that was a, you know, the defense was there. You know, you talk about the Patriots. I mean, I, uh, I would say, though, that week one was their best offensive performance other than week four so it kind of makes sense why they'd be in those two games more than the the other two yeah I mean I agree with that I mean the run game was certainly a lot better in week one but also you know the defense getting three turn four turnovers certainly helps I mean the Josh Allen fumble things like that but I mean you look at this game from Sunday night with the Jets and I I was very impressed and you know early on it was ugly like I, I hand up I know you're going to bring it up. I texted. I said, I think Zach Wilson might be the worst quarterback I've ever seen. And I was not being hyperbolic. Like, I was I was being genuine because there was a third down and short where he threw into triple coverage when he had two guys wide open in the flats. And I was like, 
man, like if he's not seeing that, I just, I don't know what he's seeing. And then obviously from there, he had a really great game, but I'd be remiss to say, I'm going to come on here and say, I'm completely convinced about Zach Wilson. Like I got to see him string some, some weeks together before I change my complete opinion. But it's good to know that there is that talent in there and there is that ability. Now the question is, can the Jets extract that and use it every week? Because look, it, it was nice this week, but obviously you don't, you don't win the game. Not like you're expected to, but like, if he throws up a stinker against Denver, it's kind of like, well, we're kind of back to to where we started. Right, and, and that can't happen. And you look at the Chiefs' defense, it's probably the worst of the four teams they played, and that's not really saying a whole lot because that's still a top 15 defense in the NFL this year. Like That's a pretty solid defense that's capable of, as we saw last year, winning a championship. It won't win you the championship, but it's good enough to get you where you need to be. And he, for, the, for two, three quarters, did a really nice job running the offense, had one or two options for dumping it off to the check down. And for me, the thing that I would want to highlight most is Garrett Wilson got the football in his hands on several occasions. I have it here, targeted 14 times, caught it nine times for 60 yards. That's not a lot of yards, but you kind of saw the the moves he could make. And maybe against Denver, a team that can't make a tackle to save their life, Garrett Wilson's going to break a couple of those and, and bust down for a 30-yard gain, a 40-yard gain. So this style of offense that they played against Kansas City, it could win you some football games with the defense that they have. And it all comes down to can Zach replicate it? He hasn't proven us that he can do it, but there is a feeling that things are finally starting to come together for this team. Because in the previous three weeks, you had them playing against the Patriots trying to not lose. And Zach Wilson wasn't throwing the ball. You saw confidence in him on Sunday night that we haven't seen in him before. And we've seen little spurts of, of impressive play in two-minute offense, but he did this throughout a couple quarters. It wasn't just no huddle offense and the defense is tired and you're, you're kind of – you're forced to make throws down the field or they're playing prevent defense because all they need to do is not give up eight points and they can give up a field goal in the last two minutes of the game. So there was a little more than we've seen from him. But, Luke, you are right. We, we can't get ahead of ourselves because this is a guy that is, is good – in that game, but we have also called him the worst quarterback in the NFL. And he, he was that. Yeah. And obviously there were a couple of moments. He definitely wanted back, you know, the fumble. Uh, there are a couple of third down plays where, I, you know, he went to safe route, which we've seen a lot, you know, the third and 10 check down where they have to punt where it's like, yeah, I understand. It's kind of part of what they're telling him to do. Um, and he's not at that point yet to make risky decisions right now. He's just going to make the smart plays. And I thought he did. And, I, what I like, too, about what they did with Wilson, it's kind of like what we talked about, Garrett Wilson, I should say. Uh, it's like what we talked about last week where they weren't saying, okay, Garrett, go run a 15-yard pattern. They're getting him the ball on screens and getting him blockers. They're letting him complete short. Like, just get Garrett Wilson the ball and give him space. And that's kind of what they did. And like you said, you know, the numbers, they were nice, but they weren't, you know, nine catches, 130. But that will come with time if you show, hey, we'll throw a short to him, too, if you're going to give it to us. So, I liked that. And then the other thing I really liked from Zach Wilson, something I harped on about him a couple weeks ago, was this was the most openly accountable he's been about a game after. Like, you could tell. And I'm not saying he's not always crushed by losses, but you could kind of see in him, to me, a different type of leadership. And I know you're going to say, oh, we don't know. You know, he's he's talked every week. I get that. But this is the most I've seen Zach Wilson uh, become more of a leader. And I think that's huge because I said a couple weeks ago, like, I get it. You know, it's nice to have all these guys around him, hyping him up. But at the end of the day, he's the quarterback. He needs to be the guy that is rallying the troops and things like that. He's in year three. He's not a rookie. So I was impressed by the way he carried himself in that regard. But hasn't he said the same exact thing week like every after every loss? Like he needs to be better. Is, is it that this game was close and and you could feel the the, the pain in his voice? Is that because he said the same yeah, thing maybe all week? Maybe it's just more believable when he actually plays like competent football. Maybe that's part of it, but. I just it's nice to have a game where after the game it it's not like blatantly like okay PR 101 we all need to go defend Zach Wilson like they can actually say he played a good game and not be right. wrong and, and one thing that needs to change from that game is, is the running game I mean you had a guy that just a few weeks ago you were trying to to hide in shelter with you know it, armed guards you had him throw the ball ah oh, where is it I had it before it was over 40 times he threw 39, 39 times and, and you ran the ball collectively no more than 15. So 16, 16 times. So 
<laughs> that was funny. I, I said no more than whatever. I was very close on both of <laughs> I'm taking the win here. So this is a, a team that built its team around running and defense, and the defense was non-existent in the first quarter, and it got better after that. After you go down, what was it, 17 nothing? It got a lot better, and it made some plays, especially late, that probably could have won you the game, and it was built on running the ball, and you didn't do that very well. So we can celebrate Zach Wilson, but there's a lot of things that could be fixed from this game. And, you know, the first, you know, the first instant after watching the game when Jermaine Johnson is held for 40 seconds and his back is facing the guy he's trying to tackle because he's turned around and, and you get beyond the rage of that no call and then the call after on Sauce Gardner on the interception. The next feeling was the positivity for the long term of Zach Wilson. But we've talked about this defense. We've hyped it up. And it, I just I need to see more. The ta- missed tackles was an issue. You looked at, it's now, what, the second week in row that we've seen a tight end go for a long touchdown against the Jets, this time it being Noah Gray. Like, that's got to be figured out because this defense has too much talent to, to let Noah Gray bust open for a touchdown against you. Yeah, but also I think if you say, hey, you know, we left 23 to Casey, I mean – could it have been better? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like... I mean, I mean it's, missed tackles. You let Pacheco run for over 100 yards. Pacheco's not a guy that runs for 100, 100 yards consistently. And, and I guess the difference is you, you said, hey, let's stop Patrick Mahomes. And you did. You had Zach Wilson outplay Patrick Mahomes. It was probably the worst game or one of the worst games of Mahomes' career, at least in the last year and change. I mean, it was legitimately the first time he's ever been outplayed. I don't know if you saw that stat, but it was like... Wilson was the first quarterback ever to have like a higher completion percentage, more yards, more touchdowns, less turnovers. Like quite literally the first time Mahomes has ever been outplayed. Like, But when that happens, you should win that game. And you didn't. And look, like the the blown calls were an issue, but I'm not blaming the refs for this loss because the team had other other ways to to go about it. I mean, you let the Chiefs run the clock for almost eight minutes, the final eight minutes of the game. And they went, what, like 30, 40 yards? Just, yeah, it's disappointing. And, and look, I can spin around and say, look, if they beat Denver next week and they go out there and they make it close against the Eagles and they could probably win that game. The commanders were this close to winning that game. They probably should have went for two and won the game. But and they'll be three and three. They'll be two and four. And that's where we thought they would be with Aaron Rodgers at this point. But at some point, the good play needs to turn into wins. And because Zach Wilson played as well as he did, it is disappointing that they didn't win the game. And there is a lot of positives to pull from it. But when every win counts as much as it does in football and you lost to the Patriots the week before, a game you really should have had, that's where you see the disappointment come in. And now the worry is if we want to be a playoff team, which this team can be, at this point they can be this team. that team. We've seen Zach Wilson play against a pretty good defense very well, albeit only one game. They can win the pl- win, get to the playoffs. But now you sit there and say, well, if we start two and four, we only really have two more losses or three more losses remaining for us and we've got to play Miami twice and we've got to play Buffalo again and New England again so it really does add up and, and that's kind of the downside of such a short season and getting off to such a slow start with Zach Wilson yeah and I also think you know football is such a team game and the big worry now for the Jets is like you're right like you kind of wasted a good Wilson performance I mean unless you're expecting him to do that every single week like we could easily see this team turn around and their defense just lights out against Denver and they lose 13 to nine because the offense doesn't work. So that's the thing. It's all about playing complete football because I mean, you want to be complimentary, like kind of how the bills have played this year. Their defense has been outstanding. Their offense has been outstanding. Cohesive, even though it's obviously two different sides of the ball, that's kind of what the jets are going to have to do now is put together both sides of the ball at the same time. I guess I'll ask you, Matt, like, are you now believing that we're going to see that Zach Wilson every week or somewhere in between bad and good? Like, what do we really expect now, I guess, going forward? I mean, I have to believe it, right? If, if I want any hope for this season to enjoy this season, to sit there and watch good football, all I can hope is that Zach Wilson plays to what he played on Sunday night. And look, the, the long history says he can't do it. But against Denver, can he put up a nice game? I don't see why not. That's not a good football team. And then can he build off it? Can he continue to improve? How much of it is him just playing loose because the Chiefs are the reigning champions? When it turns around and you say, and well, you probably team, should beat you know? the Denver Broncos. 
is he going to feel the pressure? I don't think he should. I, I think he, I think he's mentally stronger than that after putting on such a good performance, but the Denver offense isn't what the chiefs offense is. So I saw that say, you got to hope that Zach Wilson can be what he was against Kansas city against the, against, you know, teams that they should beat. right? The Broncos. Can you do it against the Eagles whose defense hasn't looked super great this year, right? They've been kind of shaky. And I know the commanders play them very, very well. And, and I had that pick and I nailed it perfectly on Sunday, but can this team take a page out of the commander's book? And it's a big test for the offensive line too, because that's a good defensive front that you'll be facing in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's tough too, because I mean, you have to imagine they can beat them. I mean, Justin Fields lit up the Broncos last week. And I know they lost the game, but like, I don't see them or the Jets, the Bears defense. But I think an, an interesting point to bring up as well is this, this run offense has not been what we expected. You know, Brees Hall is coming back from the AL. There were a couple of runs where usually it would have been a touchdown. We even saw that against the Bills when he had that breakaway and he just couldn't get to the end zone because he's not, you know, he's not fully 100% back. And Delvin Cook just maybe there's a reason why he was kind of sitting, sitting on the, uh, on the uh, free agency block for a few weeks there. Uh, he hasn't looked great. So, I mean, that's a big part of it too. Like, it's more pressure on your young quarterback if you can't run the ball at all. And the Jets haven't really ran the ball. I think that's another aspect, too, that they'd like to be better at. I mean, Brees going six for 56, I'm, I'm sure he, he had that long run. Let me pull up how long his longest run was because that kind of that outlier takes a big chunk of the, the yardage out of it. But isn't there a certain – I mean, Brees Hall can make some plays. And, and the offensive line is still a work in progress, right? I think it's gotten better. I think this is the best offensive line they could have. But just pulling up Brees – so it was a 43-yard long which means he ran five times for 13 yards the previous carries, which is yeah, is not great. Kind of boomer bust right now for him, right? That's exactly what happened in the Bills game. Yeah, I mean, now it's about can they, you know, and you're, you're kind of missing Bam Knight in the sense that he's that physical runner that's going to get you the extra yards when when he can, right? He's going to push through for the extra yards. Michael Carter doesn't really do that as a, as a pass catcher. Dalvin Cook doesn't do anything right now. And Brees, when he's not 100%, he's not – able to bully through that and he never was able to bully through the hits the way bam knight was so was adding dalvin cook the right move for a veteran team absolutely but for a team that needs to rely on its running game this early in the season with zach wilson and and the you know the margin of error is so slim that's probably not the right move for this team but obviously you, you can't predict an injury that happens to to aaron Rodgers, and when I look at this game too at large, Luke. A lot of things that I, I really liked was you finally saw a couple of things that the team was trying to do. We saw some gadget plays with Gibson uh, who carried the ball twice for 13 yards, right? You saw uh, Jeremy Rucker get some playing time. He played 25 of the 60 snaps or 59 offensive snaps, right? Uzoma only played 21. Conklin had a really nice game. Hartman is still invisible, but he played the he was on the field six times, which is the fact that McCall Hartman's only on the field on the field, six of the 59 snaps is so funny to me, Luke, because he's getting paid like a decent chunk of change to just yeah. stand there and, and hang out. Like that's a nice little paycheck he's getting to do absolutely has, nothing. Yeah. It's one catch for six yards this year. And it's and not like even his they, fault because the team's not doing yeah, it. The, well, and the Jets were like, well, did, did they say a couple weeks ago? Like, well, we haven't found the right way to use him. It's like, you just do. Well, end I think it was like, that's they just couldn't get him on the field yet. Yeah. Which is like, well, whose fault is that? And it's like, they're kind of using Xavier Gibson in his role, which is kind of weird because, like, if you believed in him to that extent, then why even bring in McCole Hardman? I don't know. Well, you did bring maybe in Hardman thought, before you had Gibson, pretty much, no? Right. And maybe they thought, you know, with Rodgers, they were going to be pushing the ball downfield more, and that'd be more of a, you know, that's kind of what he is. He's a straight-line runner, whether it's a reverse or a, a go route. He's not going to be running, you know, five-yard curls or anything like that. So maybe that was kind of the idea is he probably would have fit a little better with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why don't we get to the Giants? This is the game I kind of want to start with, but, you know, just had to remind you the Jets beat the Bills. Jets podcast. But but this isn't fair because I literally wrote the Giants first and then you started talking about the, the Jets. I mean, I started talking about the Bills, too. I, you know, I like to start, you know, it's a little sampler platter. You get a, a quick sentence in about every team, then we move and on. And then you just dumb and then you bullied me into going into the Jets. I didn't want to go that way. I thought we should go the way of the Giants, which I guess that's because I'm a negative guy and, and you're Mr. Positivity over here. No, yeah, I'm very positive. Yes. Season's over for the Giants. Like, there, there's no doubt in my mind. Could they play better with Barkley and Thomas? Absolutely. Could they have won that game with those two guys? 
Possibly. No. You don't think they could have won that game with Andrew Thomas no. and Saquon Barkley? No, I just think the way that the way that Daniel Jones played just uh just wasn't it. Uh yeah. I mean he was sacked ten times. They they sacked uh what's his face on a flea flicker. So look, like, is it all Daniel Jones' fault? No. Can we blame him? Absolutely. That that you know, the interception at the goal line was really bad. That cost you it was going from a one possession game to now a three possession game. And you, you weren't moving the ball down the field particularly well to begin with. So that cost you really important points, and he could have made a much better play with that. The entire team is broken, though. Like, they're not being coached super well at this point. It doesn't seem like Dable has any answers. The defense is missing tackles left and right. And and that's, to me, most disappointing because Wink Martindale's defense is supposed to be this crisp and clean defense, and it's just not that. And sure, 24 points isn't a lot. But when your offense is struggling and you don't have your lead running back and you don't have one of the most important players on your team in Andrew Thomas, everyone has to step up, and the defense didn't do that. No, the defense definitely hasn't stepped up this year. I mean, they've gotten gashed on the ground all year long. They're not making tackles, like you said. I mean, such a winnable game, especially when Geno Smith goes down. Drew Locke has to come in. You're thinking, okay, the Giants have a chance now. But they even let Drew Locke make a a couple of big throws on them. And I just – it's tough because now it's like, I agree with you, the season's over. But even beyond that, it kind of makes you question everything, right? It's like last year, you know, a lot of one-score wins, a lot of close games. You know, Brian Dable was praised a lot. But now it's like, I don't know, you kind of start to question everything. You start to question how this roster was constructed. You start to question how this team is coached, you know? And it's tough because, look, when, when teams win, coaches probably get too much praise at times. And when they lose, they probably get too much negativity. So it's hard to find that balance. But... I mean, it's kind of sad that, you know, we're four weeks into the season and it's already like, okay, what can the Giants do this offseason? It's like, do we trust them again? I know, you know, the Caps situation was terrible and they were left in a terrible spot by Gettleman. But how many years now with Daniel Jones is it going to be, you know, can the Giants get enough weapons? And so far it's like no weapons, no offensive line for, what, four straight years Well, if they had a top five pick, they're going to draft a quarterback. They're going to move on. They can move on from Daniel Jones after year two of the contract with the guaranteed money. And if you get a top five pick and you can get Caleb Williams or Marcus May, uh, not Marcus May. What's his name? Sorry. Uh, Drake, Drake May or Marcus May. Jets, Jets safety throwback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you can get one of those top end quarterbacks, you might as well do it because it's going to be your guy. It resets the cycle for Joe Shane. It resets the cycle for Dable. And you probably start Daniel Jones next season, let him slowly work into it, and then you're bad again. So you can get a top five pick and go out there and get yourself an offensive lineman with that pick. But how how depressing is this conversation? Well, like, you like, keep saying this, and you said this last week too. Like, what do you expect from true. this team? They are a bad football team. They stink. They're bad. Like you you've been through I mean, this. At this point, how the, many years were the were the Giants were the Bills bad? Like you've know, been but, through this whole cycle before. Like it's embarrassing. It's terrible. And this is why if I'm the Jets or the Giants, regardless of how both these seasons play out, I keep my head coach and my GM for the next couple of years because I'm sick and tired of the, the of the recycling. And these two, well, not, the, both these organizations. I, first of all, I never said anything about Dave or Shane going. I never said I'm not, that. I'm not I saying you said. did. You're saying that there's the cycle of ineptitude. But part of the reason why there's that cycle is because you cut guys' terms short and you hope that you can find a guy that's better than them. And more often than not, you don't find that. And I, I truly believe, with or without the roster construction, how it looks, this t- this grouping of Joe Shane and Brian Dable deserve at least a chance to go out there and get a quarterback that they want and play through the first three years of his career. Because after three years, you kind of know what they are. So whether they're getting the quarterback next year or if they're playing through with Daniel Jones for the next several, they've got to be here for at least another three years. Because you can't keep the, the recycling, however bad it gets this season, how bad it gets next year. Like, you've got to let them trust them to make the right moves because they haven't made awful moves. They've made some nice moves. We, everyone praised them at the beginning of the year. So just because the players aren't working out like they should, it's not necessarily their fault. And I, I know you're not blaming the move. I'm just kind of getting back to, to my, the main point of it all, which is, like, you've got to let I mean, these that guys you just slowly said. build it. It's not performing isn't their fault. But I'm like, whose fault is it? It's the player's fault. I mean, the offensive line is, is, the, is the general manager's fault. Don't get me wrong. That's a bad offensive line. But did you expect Andrew Thomas to hurt himself? No. 
Like Evan Neal should should have taken a step up this year, and he didn't. And drafting him is obviously Joe Shane's fault, but also he's got to be better. He's a top ten pick for a reason. You need to see a little more out of him. But for me, what this season comes down to is if you're not making the playoffs and you're in the top five, you know, of the draft, there is no reason to keep Daniel Jones as your quarterback because there's too many holes. He's costing you too much that when you want to be good and eventually this team will, will get good, he can't be your quarterback because there's going to be too many holes with paying a quarterback as much as you're paying. So I guess the question is if the Giants missed the playoffs last year, would it be, hey, let's just let Jones walk. Let's bring in a veteran guy that's going to lose games. Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, whoever, and then try to get a quarterback. Like, they really don't believe in Daniel Jones. And like you said, if they finish, you know, in the bottom five, they draft a quarterback, then why bother signing him to any contract? And I know they have an out after next year, but if this was their thinking, did they get trapped into yes. keeping Daniel Jones? Yeah, they got trapped. They they didn't want to necessarily sign him. That's why they hassle over the price. But when you make the playoffs, there's that anticipation. You have to build off it, right? What comes next? What are we going to do to get better? And you're not getting better with any quarterback that was out there on the free agency agent market. You weren't better drafting a quarterback with the draft pick you had. And you had too many holes to jump up to number one or two or five to get a quarterback. So you were essentially stuck with Daniel Jones. And the positives for this team is, hey, we we let, we made a lot of shrewd deals that are going to give us some, some cap space next year. So when we project, when we take a step back, and, and maybe they were thinking in the back of their mind they would, or Joe Shane was at least, maybe not Dable, but Joe Shane was, then we can pounce and make some moves. You would like there to be some better infrastructure there for him to, because, like, Right now, now, if you bring in Drake May, like it's like, oh hey, like you have no offensive line, you have no defense, you don't really have any. Like that's tough. It's a tough situation. It's kind of going to be like what the Panthers are dealing with right now with Bryce Young, where it's like, well, we're not, we can't even find out what this kid is because he has no one to throw to. He has no offensive line. Uh, like it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Like that, it would have been nice to see them build at least something at this point. You know, whether it be a good offensive line. Look, they're young. Like Evan Neal could get better. Like, I know, you know, Schmitz he has been very bad, but, you know, he's a rookie. Maybe he can get better. Like, maybe they have some pieces there. But it is kind of tough to think about how they've kind of flopped on every – both sides of the ball. Both I mean, obviously the D-line's pretty solid with Lawrence and Williams. But, like, overall, it's kind of it's kind of tough that they haven't built really much of anything. I mean, the D-line isn't even – you know, you're saying it's pretty solid and you're kind of sugarcoating it. They have – what, only a handful of sacks? They didn't have sacks for the first two weeks of the season. They haven't forced a turnover yet. They've turned the ball over eight times on the other side. Like, this is a, a colossal failure of, of a season for this team. And there's no way it gets better, Luke, right? When you look at who they have coming no. up on the schedule, you've got the Dolphins, you've got the Bills, you know, the Commanders and Jets. Like, those are two games that before this week were 50-50 shots. I don't think they're winning either of those games. Could they stun the Commanders in a slog fest? Sure, but the commanders have a nice run game. They've got a pretty solid defensive line and Sam Howell, while he makes mistakes can push the ball down the field and the giants can't do that with the weapons that they have. I, I just don't know how this team lost, you know, got their brains bashed in by the 49ers, which, you know, everyone expected, but on a Thursday night and then they turn around, they don't play again until a Monday night in a must win game at home. And they just come out flat and they get embarrassed. Like I, that's unacceptable to me. Like, to have a full week plus to prepare for this game and to come out the way they did, like, it falls on everyone. It falls on coaching. It falls on Daniel Jones. It falls on the defense. Like, this was the worst possible outcome, and it happened. And it's, it's Look, unbelievable. In the first half, they've scored nine points through four games. Nine. Yeah. I, it's – I don't know how. Like, that's supposed to be when you score your points. Like, scripted. You know what's going on. You practice this series every single week. And – they can't score in the first half. I don't think they have a, a point on their in the first quarter of games. Yeah, it's crazy. And they, like you said before the show, they've played one half of competent football this year. And I know the schedule's tough, but like I don't see the Commanders losing forty to zero to the Cowboys. We just saw them put up a fight against the Eagles. Like something about the Giants, they can't do those things. Right. And I'm trying to pull up what you know the Commanders. You know, last couple of games works. I feel like they did just get blown out. I thought they did. Maybe not. Well, the Bills blew them out. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, and the Bills and Cowboys are on but, a similar level. No, but the, the way I'm saying is it feels like if you're in division, usually you play tight, right? You know the teams. You know how they operate. Washington seems to get that. that True. Giants don't That's a good point. That. Is, is there any positives you can take from the Giants? Like, let's say next week, for whatever reason, Barkley comes back, Andrew Thomas is back. Do you have any hope, or are you just, like, writing off the season now? Is this going to be, a, you know, the next – was it 13 weeks of just sheer misery and pain for Giants fans? I mean, it's going to be misery and pain unless you do the impossible and you beat either the Dolphins or the Bills on the road. Like, that's kind of what the season has come down to is you've already lost a couple of, you know, tough games. I guess the Seahawks were the one that I guess you could have chalked up as a W, but they've got winnable games. But the thing is, once they start one and five, there's just, I just don't know how to get off the mat at that point, you know, like, but if they can upset the Dolphins or the Bills, that's kind of the that's kind of the only yeah, way. I, I tend to agree. Why don't we get to the Bills now, Luke? That was just a dominant performance, right? You you beat the Dolphins forty eight to twenty. It starts off you're up twenty one fourteen after the first five possessions. But to me, the the real maybe not the story we kind of talked about at the top. Trey White going down, it hurts this team because he was playing pretty good football to start the year, and this is the team that we've talked about. They want to be a Super Bowl contender. There's a lot of talent in the AFC, and, and maybe not as much as we thought, right? Miami's been as advertised, Kansas City as advertised, but between the Jets and the Bengals, those teams are not what we thought they were. It's still a hard division conference to, to come out of, and, and this was a year, Luke, you kind of said you had that feeling, that special feeling for this team, and does it change without Trey White? No, not really. Um, to be honest, he hasn't been great. Um, it obviously was, I mean, it was brutal. You could see his reaction through the helmet crying. Like he knew something was bad and up being the Achilles. Um, but this team has been so good at the next man up. I mean, they were without Jordan Poyer in this game and they still shut down Tyree kill. They still shut down the Dolphins offense. So it's just, I've been really impressed with them and they're getting pressure with four, which is the key to winning in the NFL is getting to the quarterback without blitzing. Sean McDermott, man, he took over the defense. He took over play calling, and they have they have not missed a beat. They've been even better than last year so far. And I mean, they're doing this without Von Miller, who was just starting to practice this week. And I thought I think Leonard Floyd was a very sneaky, great addition, a veteran guy. He's still getting to the quarterback. Obviously, Jets fans wish he didn't maybe get to the quarterback in Week One, but I mean, to have an addition like him, to have Rousseau playing great, to have Ed Oliver, to have Epinesa, like. This D-line, criminally underrated. I think it's because they don't have Von Miller and they don't have, like, the guy when it comes to namesake so far. But, I mean, this D-line is up there with anyone. And I think that's been the, the huge advantage to their defense this year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry, Luke. I was not listening to what you said. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm really enthralled. And I know what you're saying. You're saying What could be so important? You're saying the defense is, is fine and it's good, and, and I'm happy for that. Like, cool. I don't need to add to it. You think I'm, I didn't watch the Bills game this week. I was out. I was busy. Like, I don't need to add to it. I mean, you didn't watch the No, Jets I watched either, the second and half, still... and then I rewatched yeah. the first half earlier today. Oh, you did a little, oh, yeah, you had a little, little DVR situation on the great YouTube TV. Okay. But, no, when I look at this Bills team, like, does the injury hurt? In my eyes, absolutely. Maybe not as much as it hurts, you know, in your eyes. But this is the Josh Allen we've been waiting for, and we we've seen it now the last three weeks. And the defense was so impressive. Did you say that they limited Hill and, and Waddle? Did you did you go through that when I wasn't paying attention? I did. Yes. Okay. Well, very... <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean for Josh Allen to not turn over the ball and throw the ball only twenty five times, like this was the Josh Allen game. And he's the MVP at this point through four weeks, even with the embarrassing loss to the Jets league. I'm sorry. I was, I'm enthralled by this story on awful announcing. Um, apparently the Astros, um, apparently the Rangers celebrated uh, clinching a wildcard spot, even though they lost the division that night. And uh, the reporter for the, for the Astros and MLB.com tweeted, the Rangers partied last night while the Astros had a champagne toast and quickly turned their attention to Sunday and one more win. Houston's been there, done that mentality, paid off, it seems. And then um, the owner, or the GM, rather, the Rangers, said on the day after, it's pretty poor journalism to even suggest that, honestly. I'm very disappointed in the lack of professionalism of the Houston journalists for putting it out there. It's classless, and it's not appropriate, and it's completely fabricated. It's wrong. 
Yeah, I heard. So I saw that going down over the weekend, and the Rangers beat writer said it was 15 minutes, like subdued. Yes. And I don't know what the rules are, but I think the MLB like kind of makes you have champagne in the locker. Like they make you do a little thing in there. Like they have the champagne set up. They record in there. But like remember last year when the Yankees clinched and like a lot of the guys were kind of like just there. Like I remember Garrett Cole was kind of just there. Didn't really want to be a part of it. Um, I kind of think they make you do that. And the Rangers reporter said it was like 15 minutes in the locker room and they just went out and like they just had their normal team dinner at the cafeteria. Like nothing crazy. So it is, it is a fascinating right. story. And this is the problem, Luke. I'll take a step further. With the modern journalist, and, and I'll put that in, in air quotes, because we've seen a lot with, with Colorado and, and, the, you know, and Dion, and a lot of people covering these teams are now fans of their teams, which is like, cool, do it on your own time. But it's, it's the, the way that you t- then make that tweet personal when you weren't there and you're really – it just bothers me. Like you're very clearly rooting for the Astros when you're this this clown show hack boy uh, journalist. Oh yeah. And I don't I don't like, like that. Oh, in we've, my we've been there, done that. That that's how I read what that. Was it? Like he's like, oh yeah, we've we've been there, done that. He literally said we've been there, done that. It's like, dude, you don't you don't follow you don't you're not part of the team. Houston's been there, done yeah, that no. mentality paid off. It seems. Like how do you know they partied? You don't. <laughs> you don't know anything. Because there's, like, the one video where they're spraying champagne. Well, like I said, I feel like it's, like, almost MLB mandated where they're like, hey, just put the goggles on, put the T-shirts, spray a little bit. But like, the same thing? A hundred percent, yes. I'm, I'm going to look it up they, on Twitter they, right now, and it's going to make me so mad. Let's see here. Well, because they – yeah, they did the same thing. Because he said they did one toast. Yeah, they, so Bro, they opened the champagne. They did the same thing the Rangers Martin did. Martin Maldonado smoking a cigar in the locker room. With champagne goggles on. Where's the toast? Where's the toast, Luke? There is no toast. You know what the toast was for them? Pouring champagne on each other's heads, just like the Rangers. The fact that this was a story for this hack reporter, this this bozo, I, I can't. I can't believe it. It's so I love how much this fire that this phony fanboy guy just was rooting for Houston. Oh, and you know where he's from, Luke? Where's Pasadena, Texas. I don't know where that is. I assume it's close to Houston. You know where he went to college? Take a wild guess. <laughs> yeah, University Bang. of Houston. Dingling, you're right. And, and you know what's really sad, too? Is he's been on that beat for now 20 years. And you're acting like a child and a fanboy. Be better. Matt calls out the Jays. I won't even say Big J in this scenario, but I, mean, I love it. Looking at his profile picture, he, he's a – let's see here. Oh, he's not that big of a Jet. All right. All right. Okay. Why would you I, – I, If he was fat, see? I was going to call him a, a Big J. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, he's not. He's a slender wow. man. Okay. And, any other notes on – like, yeah. He's a, he's a hack. He's a, he's a clown show. Any other points on the Bills, Luke? Do you want to get into Ivan Rush? No, I guess the last point is I really do see this week as a potential – I wouldn't even say trap game. It's just a bad situation. Going to London, the Jags are already there. Jags last week. Had that game too, you know, by the way. Yeah, it, so did I. That's one of the games where I'm – yeah, I'm a little bit worried. Like, if they come out and dominate the Jags, then I'm I'm starting I'm starting the parade floats, you know, a couple months early. But, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about this. Strong. Weekend. I mean, I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. Oh, hands down they are. And obviously if the Jags somehow, you know, stick it to them, I'll feel differently. But, like, the way they run the ball, the way they play defense, there's not a lot of holes right now, which I think is really nice. And that defensive line is only getting better when Von Miller gets healthier and gets more incorporated into the into the defense. I mean, they were ruthless. They sacked two at four times. You'd only been sacked once before in the, in the previous three weeks. So this is the also, team. Also, McDaniels. McDaniel's got to be careful, man. Like they're he's still in the game when they're down twenty eight. It's like with Tua, you got to be careful in that situation. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially with Tua. Yeah, and the Bills were still pressuring him. They did not yeah. care. Luke, give us so. give us some odd man rush. I will. I've been instructed to guess which two NFL teams have not ran an offensive play with the that's lead right. this season. A little, a little trivia question for you. I saw on Twitter. Denver. No, 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 no. That's not. Well, you got you got two. So I'll let Denver, you finish up here, and I'll give you the answer. No, because Denver had a lead against Washington. Um, 
I'm going to say, God, I don't know. It's the Panthers and the, I'm going to say the Falcons. Nope. It is your New York football giants and the New York football Jets. Oh, okay. I'm moronic. I should have known. Okay. should have known. That's why I put it in here. We're a New York show. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Um, I'd like to apologize to everyone involved. Um, the good news is, Matt, I'll make up for it by announcing that Rookie QB Watch is all the yeah. way back, baby. Remember from last year? Was it two years ago? Maybe two years ago at this point. The people wanted it. It's back. So last week, number one overall pick, Bryce Young. 25 of 32, 204 yards, no touchdowns or picks. Uh, he's looked okay this year. I think a lot of people don't expect big numbers from him because Adam Thielen's like his number one <laughs> target, and they're just not very good. Um, but I think the real story so far this year, C.J. Stroud, man, I mean, he's been incredible. Two, 306 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and a huge win over the Steelers. 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, no picks. Houston's 2-2 two and two on the year. Like, I feel like... You know, my take of C.J. Stroud being the best in this class, it's early, but I feel pretty good about it. Luke, have you ever thought of going into um, working as a writer for, for prospects? Because you nailed this one. Nailed Ooh. it. See, I would say that, but also I will say I wasn't a huge on Anthony Richardson. And it's not like he's lit the world on fire, but he's been I'm trying to think good. of a comp for him because, like, his team isn't great. But how much of his stats – is? he almost feels like Justin Fields when he was a rookie. Right, in the way that like there's some holes in the team, they're not the best, but he he has a very low completion percentage, at least you know what fifty six percent this season, fifty seven percent, but he runs the ball really well, and that kind of makes yeah, up I for think some it's of the other comp. issues he has. Yeah, I agree, but I mean the way he led that comeback, and I was locked in on that game because I had the Colts, my only loss of the week. Um, he he could throw the ball, but there is the accuracy problems, and that was my concern. In college, wasn't very accurate. Still not very accurate. But having those legs is always going to be a huge help. And, I mean, you look at that division right now with him and Stroud and, you know, the Jags and the Texans, everyone's 2-2. Two and two. It's it's gross, but it's kind of compelling. Yeah, it's it's compelling like a car crash is compelling. But it's all pretty decent football. Yeah, I mean, the Titans are weird because, like, they look terrible against the Browns and they smacked the Bengals. Uh, the Jaguars... We're supposed to be, you know, far and away the best team. They've struggled. Um, and then the other two guys I'll, I'll mention quickly. We saw the debut of Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was a fifth-round pick for the Browns with Deshaun Watson hurt. He was really bad. Um, 19 of 36, 121 yards, three picks. And you nailed your lock. I nailed that pick as well. Kind of got lucky maybe with Deshaun Watson out, but dominant performance from the Ravens. Yeah, that, that one felt good. Again, Luke, I was 6-0 and this week if you didn't, if you didn't remember. You were. We'll get to that in a second. Six um, the, the other debut, AOC, Aiden O'Connell, uh, started for the Raiders. Um, he was a late-round pick from them. Jimmy G was out. He was 24 of 39, 238 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Weirdest part of this to me was Josh McDaniels ripped him, like, at the postgame. He said, you know, you can't make turnovers like that if you want to play in this league, which is like, yeah, but also he's making a spot start. It's first start in the NFL. He kept you in a game against the Chargers, like, I know that pick at the end was backbreaking, but like, are we really going to knock a late round pick in his first ever start? I just feel like it's kind of a bad precedent. Also, why are we having him throw the ball 39 times? Like, yeah. Let's look inward before we look outward. You had a rookie quarterback a, who is a late round pick throw the ball almost 40 times. And look, like the interception, not great, but he's a rookie. He's young. Like he's going to make those mistakes. Matt, I'll let you gloat now. Of course, six and zero last week, seventeen and seven on the year for you. But I had a pretty good week myself, five and one, sixteen and eight. And, overall. and this is the beauty we're, we're of us, Luke. Money. We're handing out money, one and two. We've changed this year. We we've become adults in this competition because we're rooting for each other. This is the beauty of our friendship at this point. I'm not rooting See, for you to lose, Luke. I'm just rooting for me to win more than you win. If we could go, if I can go six and zero, and you go five and one. Hell, I'll even give you a couple six and O's in there too. Every single week, I would be so happy. Like that would make my day because we're both having fun and succeeding. And that's the beauty of our show. That's really just See, the beauty of it. 
But you say that and then you turn around and how many texts are sent on a Sunday one minute into a game being like, that's a great pick, buddy, great pick. Trying to jinx. Well, I'm trying to, to sell. You did it to me this week. I know. You did it to me with who? The, the Jags? I never said I was rooting for you. You're not rooting for me? I mean, I want you to do well because I think it gives our show more credibility yeah, when two you. of us are good at games, not just me. But That's what I said. I mean, we're, we're rooting for each other. I want to beat you. Yeah, I want to beat you too. But I want to beat you by being really, really good, not you being below 500. Yeah, that's fair. I will say last time we both had big weeks, the next week wasn't great. Two so and this four is not bad for us. Two and four is not, not terrible. You're still losing money. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, there was a f- large portion of the Vikings game where I thought I was dead. So I, I'm very lucky. I could have been three yeah. and three. So I'm not going to complain there. Um, we'll move along. Quick baseball notes. Buck Showalter let go by the Mets. Uh, basically was said, hey, s- step down or be fired. Uh, he stepped down. He went 175 and 142. In two seasons with the Mets, he also won the NL Manager of the Year last year. A lot of the players seem very uh, upset about this. Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor among uh, the leaders that were sad to see him go. But I mean, David Stearns was officially announced as a president of baseball ops, so not surprising, but kind of a weird reflection on Buck Showalter's tenure. With the, the timeline Mets. felt really weird because they sort of fired him before they introduced David Stearns, and it 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 wasn't like. It could have been handled better in the sense that, like, David Stern's going to came in and then done his press conferences without Buck there and been like, hey, this is my team. I, I want to have a fresh start. We're not bringing back Buck Showalter, but we love him. Right? Like, couldn't it have been framed better than, hey, he's not coming back? It just felt very backwards to me. Yeah, Steve Cohen kind of was the one to make the announcement. And, you know, Stern's never spoke to Buck, which uh, – I don't, I don't know. Love that. I don't know how I've... he's such a smart and sorry to cut you off, Luke. He's such a smart baseball guy. You couldn't have at least entertain the conversation to at least hear what he had to say about the team. Because now you essentially have his bench coaches, and that's really it in terms of who knows what the players are all about. And there's big questions about Alonzo getting traded. It makes you know Stearns makes it sound like he wants him to be the first baseman next year, and they'll figure out a long term plan when they get to it. But wouldn't you want to hear from Buck? Hey, why did this go wrong? Like, what happened here? And, and you're not really getting that when you fire Buck Showalter before you even have a conversation with him. Of course, Craig Council is the hot name. He's This is the last year under contract with the Brewers, but you know he's going to be involved in what the Brewers hope is a long postseason run. So, you know, he can't get with the team for, you know, a month or two. Um, also, Gabe Kapler was let go by the Giants. Maybe that's an option. But uh, the, the David Stearns era begins, and I can't really fault him for getting rid of Buck. I mean, he wants his own guy. He wants to start fresh. But his M.O. so far has been, we're not going to be great for a year or two, and then we're going to be a but consistent But Stearns didn't say season. they're not going to be great next year. No, he didn't. I'm saying this is – but this is what he has done in the past. Oh, okay. I'm saying. His track record with Houston and with Milwaukee was the first year. They were below 500. The second year, they were above it. And by year three, they were consistently in the playoffs. So it's, it's not going to be a long rebuild, but – that might kind of coincide with what Steve Cohen was saying. But Stern said, hey, we think we're good enough to compete this year or next year. We want to be competitive. Yeah, and they might be. And they've got better pieces than Houston did when he went there. I mean, they had nothing. Yeah, and I mean, you've got a top 10 prospect pool at this point. You could go out there and trade for Juan Soto, and then maybe that changed the dynamic of your team, right? Um, Yeah. And the other news, uh, the Yankees, Aaron Boone likely to return as manager. Uh, They see him as part of the solution, not part of the problem. Um, not surprising, kind of felt like that's where things are trending. And I agree. He's not part of the problem remains to be seen if he'll be part of the solution, but I think it would have been kind of, kind of bad of the Yankees to let him go after this year. Cause it really wasn't on him. Yeah. We're in lockstep there. Keep him. It's fine. There, there's change that needs to be made, but I don't think it's coaching and, and management. I think it's player personnel that needs to be uprooted and, and changed. And, there's a lot of they have a lot of capital to do that, Luke. Like you're getting, I think Montas is off the books. If you want to keep him, great. If you don't, cool. You know, obviously you're taking off thirty million between Josh Donaldson and Severino. If you bring Sevy back, he's not making more than like a couple million bucks to be a six starter. We don't know what happens with Herman with with his situation going on. So there's a lot of wiggle room for this team to go out there and really reshape the roster and. To me, this is kind of like the the last crack for Boone, or not for Boone, for Cashman, in my in my eyes at least. Can he go out there 
and make a really and, – and put a good team on the field. Because you have some nice young pieces that didn't perform super great down the stretch, but they'll get there eventually. And you have some cap space. What are you going to do to be the team you were a couple years ago when you really made some shrewd moves? You brought in Matt Carpenter. You had a legitimate team. And that's what I'm most excited for for this offseason for them. One of the interesting notes as well, the outside analysis or the audit they were talking about, I guess, was a little bit misleading. So what the Yankees are actually doing is they are paying to view how an outside firm runs their analytics and then comparing it to the way they operate it. So they're not having a company come in and look at them. They're looking at another company. So kind of a difference. I, I don't really know how a, a regular company helps a baseball team, but sure. Yeah, cool. a little bit weird. Um. Before we go, uh, wild card round starts today. Rangers up on the Rays early, Twins up on the Blue Jays. We've also got D-backs, Brewers, Marlins, Phillies. Not really a lot of juice to these matchups, I would say, uh, for the baseball Marlins, playoffs. Phillies could be fun, but the, the Marlins are kind of meh, right? Like They have owned the Phillies this year, though, which I think is true. interesting. But yeah, I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm waiting for the, the Braves and the Dodgers to get involved. The O's will be a fun story, but... I don't know, maybe it's just because the Yankees aren't in it, but I'm feeling very sick. Also, like, the, the starter for the Rangers this year is Jordan Montgomery, who's pitched great, by the way. He's pitched seven innings yeah, of, of I, you know, six base runners is great. But is there really any – is there any appeal to Jordan Montgomery pitching in game one? I mean, it's crazy. The Rangers came into this year with DeGrom, that they traded for Scherzer, and Evaldi was having a great year, and – Jordan Montgomery ends up being the number one in the playoffs. It's crazy how things work. And I, I'll i be honest, I was wrong about the Montgomery trade. I thought it was a win for the Yankees. Um, but with Bader just unable to play, it ended up being but what did the Card- pretty but major loss. trade to the Rangers. He got traded to the Cardinals. Right. And he was great with the Cardinals, too. But where are they now? Dead. Yeah. I know, but it would have been nice to have another arm. Can it be a lose-lose trade? I don't think it's a lose-lose, though. Is it a win-win? I guess for the Cardinals, it's a loss. But I think, like, in terms of comparing the players, I think the Yankees got a worse player. That makes sense. I guess. But they need a center fielder. Like, who was going to be the center fielder this year? Yeah. That's true. But he didn't play. You got so. you got some you got um, the playoffs from last year. Yeah. We'll always have the playoffs last year. Uh, that's all I have, Matt. I had some other NFL headlines written down. But, you know, we're kind of out of time. But if there's anything that stuck out to you, you can comment. Um... No, not really. Other okay. than uh, I went 6-0. Yes, you did. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of me. I, I, I'm not going to make a look-ahead pick this week. No. I, I want to really, really sink my teeth in and get all the details before I try to replicate a 5-1 and one or improve on it. Right.